Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for joining us here. We serve a mighty God. And if you did not get to be here last week, if you did not watch that message online, I'd encourage you to do that. Awesome message from Dr. James Davis. Powerful, powerful message. Two weeks ago, we spoke about the omniscience of God, that he's all-knowing. And because he's all-knowing, he can make promises like all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, that are called according to his purpose. Why? Because he knows all things. He's all-knowing. And today I want us to go a step further and speak about the omnipotent God. That means all-powerful, almighty. And we understand what the definition is, but I think we miss one little segment. See, the definition of omnipotent means absolute power, able to do anything in harmony with his nature. See, there are some things God can't do. God can't lie because that goes against his nature. God cannot fail because that goes against his nature. God cannot change because he's everlasting. But he can do anything that's in harmony with his nature. He has absolute power. So as I was thinking about that subject of this subject, well, our omnipotent God, I said, well, where do you look in Scripture to find about the omnipotence of God? Because we see that every day. Do we go back to the book of Genesis where he spoke the world into existence? How many thinks that's showing some mighty, great, awesome power? And he spoke into existence. He created life. And he's the only uh, being that has the ability to create life. He created it all. Many can destroy life. But only God can give life. I was beginning to think, well, you could take a microscope and look at the minute greatness of God. That you had to magnify it hundreds of times to be able to see it. Or you could take a telescope and look out into the realms of, of space. And see it goes on and on and on and on. To see how powerful and how mighty our God is. Or we could go down to Egypt. Where Moses was preparing to lead his people out of bondage. And I'd like to just read one verse there. In, or a couple of verses in Exodus. Because, see, as God proved himself by all of these plagues, by all of these uh, tests that was happening, all those things, what was the purpose of it? To show his power. Now, let me just read this. But for this purpose, I have raised you up, speaking to Moses, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You're still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. He was telling Pharaoh through Moses, he said, this is the reason I'm doing that. And you may not realize it, but almost every one of those plagues dealt with the gods of Egypt. Dealt with the gods. They worshiped the Nile. He turned the Nile into blood. They worship the locusts. They worship the sun. They worship all these things. And God ministered and showed him how feeble and how weak his gods were. Now, I can't help but think in our present circumstances, many of the things that uh, are going on in our world today, 
We may not have outwardly worshipped, but we've somewhat made gods of them. Did you think about sport? I love sports. I'm not belittling sports at all. But did you know the God of sports was shut down for a while? Totally stopped. How many things you can stop the Almighty God? He's going to keep on going on. Even our schools, even our churches, there's so many things, even our nation. They're shut down. But I'm glad to tell you that the church will never be stopped. They may shut down the buildings, but the Bible says that Jesus made the statement, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can the churches be closed? If you go to Europe today, you can see many marvelous cathedrals that instead of houses of worship, they've turned into mausoleums. There's no life. But the reality is our God is an omnipotent God. He is all-powerful and almighty. So where do we go to see the absolute power of the omnipotent power of Jehovah God? Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Now that's important. Go to the land of Moriah. And I realize there's some different scholars that have differences of opinion. And I'll share with you what my opinion is and what many scholars agree. But if you disagree, that's fine. I, you don't have to agree with me. You've been wrong before. <laughs> so, you know, you can do what and think whatever you want. But they was going to Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. And I know some of you say, wait a minute, that does not in the character of God. You're right, but let's read on. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, on the third day, this was a journey. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to this father, Abraham, my father... And he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, let me remind you that this son was born when Abraham was roughly 100 years of age. And so now this boy was a young teenager. How many knows that if that young teenager wanted to stop and keep from being offered by a 110-year-old man or 12-year-old man, he could probably do it. Said, where's the offering? And God said, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, I'm not sure how healthy Abraham was. I know I'm not close to 110 or 115 years of age. But at 70 years of age, he would have probably had to help me get up on the altar. 
I would have had to think, hey, son, get up there. <laughs> but they put him on the altar. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the, that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now you say, well, was him providing that lamb or ram caught in the bushes, was that Proved that he was an omnipotent God. That means he was powerful, but that was not the great proof. If you go over with me to book of Hebrews, you can understand a little bit more about the significance of what was really going on. Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith there, it says in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now get that picture. He had promised that through Isaac, there's going to be a nation. He was still a teenage boy. It had not been fulfilled. But he knew that God spoke to him and told him a test. He said, kill him. Offer him to God. And it says he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In essence, he was expecting, he was believing that if he plunged that knife into his son Abraham, that God somehow was going to resurrect him. And the Bible tells us it was that faith that was counted unto him for righteousness. Now there's a lot of things if you read Abraham's story there in Hebrews and, and throughout the Bible. You find that he operated in faith. But the key element of faith was that he trusted God so much. He believed that his God was capable of raising his son that he was about to kill from the dead. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Which figuratively speaking... He did receive him back. He named that place Jehovah Jireh. Our God will provide. Or the Lord will provide. You may ask the question, provide what? We know he provided a sacrifice. But it is the nature of the omnipotent God to provide. It is his nature to make provision. We serve a God that created this universe, that breathed life into man, that created all these wonderful and marvelous things that has brought us thus far, and he's a God that is all-powerful and almighty. He is Jehovah Jireh, our God will provide. Now let's fast forward to the time of David. First Chronicles Excuse me, First uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 21, verse 14. 
So the Lord sent a pestilence. Didn't take time to read the passage. But David had sinned. And because of his sin, God allowed a pestilence to come. A plague. It might have been COVID something way back. But he allowed that COVID or that pestilence to come. 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. To destroy all of Abraham, uh, Israel, Jerusalem. And the Lord saw and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction. It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and heaven, in his hand a drawn sword stretching out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. Let's drop down to verse 22. Verse 22. And David said to Ornan, Give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at his full price that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, Take it and let my Lord the king do what he seems good to do. See, I've given the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the meat for the grain offering. I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, No, I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Now that sounds uh, very uh, worthy of David. He said, I don't want to give an offering that costs nothing. I've been amazed that through the years that I find a lot of people like to give God their leftovers. I knew I wouldn't get many amens there. God requires and desires the first fruits. He desires the best. But he says, I, I'm not going to give you something that costs me nothing. Now, this threshing floor of Ornan that David purchased, guess what happened there? Well, we find that he made an altar there. We find that God appeared to him there. And let's go over now to 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and read what it says. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Now again, I said, I know that there are people that, that argue this and say that this is not the same mount that Abraham offered on. I believe this was the exact spot that he took Isaac to sacrifice. And God said, I will provide a sacrifice. And he provided a ram. And then David bought this property, this piece of property, and said, I'm going to give it to God, and I'm not going to give him a sacrifice that costs nothing. When we begin to think about a sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice that's ever been given was God giving his only begotten son. That picture that we see as Abraham raised the knife, he was getting ready to do what God actually did. He allowed his son to die for you and I. And I mentioned the fact that if Isaac had fought it, he probably could have resisted getting up on that altar. Jesus, there was not a, enough people in this creation to put Jesus on the cross if he had not wanted to go. He willingly got up on that cross so we would have a place to die for us. God said the Mount Moriah 
where the Lord has appeared to David his father at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now, was that uh, Golgotha? No. The place that was on Moriah, the place that David bought was the place where the temple was built. And see, the same time where Jesus was being led up on the cross, to the cross, the same place where Jesus, at the same time, a lamb was being taken to the temple. At the exact time. You can check it by the hour. The same time. While Jesus was going to Calvary, what were they doing? They were taking the lamb to the temple. Getting them ready to do what? To be the sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. The sacrificial lamb. Yes, this same spot where Abraham was to offer Isaac was the location that Solomon built the temple where all the sacrifices were made. And even today, they're still offering sacrifices there in the temple. They're still doing that. This Jehovah God, though, was providing the sacrifice. Now, you say, I don't quite understand. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the New Testament and look at the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, reading at verse 29. The next day... He saw Jesus, this was John the Baptist, coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Then go to verse 32. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. Do you get the picture? This was the sacrifice that Jesus, or that God was providing. Just like he provided that ram on the Mount Moriah, he was providing the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our stead. And you say, well, is that the omnipotent power of God? No. You say, well, what was the omnipotent power of God? See, providing the lamb was verification that God is omnipotent. But that just led to the next step. Providing a lamb would have been insignificant without, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Because if it had just been a lamb... It would have been over. Because once you kill the lamb, it's over. Now, where was the first blood sacrifice in the Bible? The book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, it says God killed an animal and gave them the skins to cover up their nakedness. Now, their nakedness was not the sin, but it was symbolic of the sinfulness of man. So what was the proof of the omnipotence of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
Let's go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. He did all kinds of miracles. He was omnipotent. This Jesus delivered us according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Well, what made him omnipotent? God raised him up. Loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now, I want to tell you, I've done a lot of funerals. I've been to a lot of graves. And I've always committed those bodies to the earth because I don't have the power to resurrect them. But we serve a God that's a resurrecting power, the omnipotent power of God that says, I will provide my lamb a sacrifice. Let's keep going. Chapter verse 32 of that same uh, chapter. This Jesus God raised up and of that we're all witnesses. Go to verse uh, chapter 4 verse 10. Chapter 4. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead. By him this man is standing before you well. It's through the power of an almighty God. Look at chapter 5 verse 30. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Amazing thing. Our God the Proof of his omnipotence is when he raised Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for all mankind from the dead. There's a lot of gods out there. There's a lot of things that people say is worthy of worship. There's a lot of religions, but there's only one religion that has an omnipotent God that's been able to raise the founder of our religion from the grave. God is all-powerful. God is almighty. I think you get the drift. The resurrection of Jesus Christ validated the rest of the scriptures. You say, well, pastor, it's still been a lot of stories. There's still a lot of great things. That's what validated it all. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Begin reading verse 14. This whole chapter talks about resurrection. But it says, and if Christ had not been raised then our preaching is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that they are not raised. See, there was a teaching going around that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. There was a teaching around that they were not, uh, that resurrection was not biblical, was not part of it. And what Paul was saying, without the resurrection, we don't have anything. Without the resurrection, we're wasting our time. Without the resurrection, we're just another social group that's gotten together today. Without the resurrection, we are null and void. But with the resurrection that Jesus Christ, that died for us, that God provided for us, and then raised that sacrifice from the dead. Oh, man. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. Now what in the world was he saying? I'm going to put this in Oxford English so you can understand it. 
If all you got to look forward to is the rest of your retirement, you don't have much. If all you have to look forward to for your younger people to retirement, if that's all you have, you don't have much. Because see, when God created man, he breathed into man and man became a living soul. That means that you and I were created to live eternally. And we are all going to live eternally somewhere. Either in heaven or in hell. God made the sacrifice so that we could spend eternity in heaven. So I want to tell you, if you're 70, 80, 90, 120, you're just getting started, baby. It's nothing. You're just getting started because Jesus Christ says we have eternal life in him. And that's what the omnipotent power of God raised Jesus from the dead so that you and I can have life. And as Lee reported earlier, that we can have that life more abundantly. Let me read on. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first fruits. Who's the second? That's us. The rest of us. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be all made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. That's you and I. That's those of us that are in Christ. Think about it. Think about it. It was this God, this omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, eternal God that is still here today. We'll talk about omnipresence later. But he's still here today, not making a sacrifice because that sacrifice has already been made. It's already been made, but making provision. Provision for what? He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Well, what type of provision? What do you need? See, when you're a provider, you can provide anything. I mean, those of you that uh, work for a living and support your family, used to be, say, the man supported. But any of you that are supporting your family, and you say, I'm making provision for my family, they said, well, what kind of provision? I said, well, whatever they need. I provide them a house to live in. I provide their food. I give them clothes. I make provision because that's what a provider does. He says, Jehovah Jireh, my God will provide. And the greatest provision was the fact that he provided the Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundation of the earth. But because of this Jehovah God that raised Jesus from the dead, it proved that he is omnipotent. And he's not just a provider of our eternity. He's a provider for whatever we need him to be. One of the things that we need so much in our world today, in our culture, in our venue, is we need Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God that passes all understanding to come upon his people. I want to tell you something, church. One of the greatest disturbances that I have is that Christians are just as fearful as those that are not Christians. And there's something wrong with that picture because we serve a resurrected Savior. We know the end of the book, and we win. But he provides for us. We know that he's the healer. We heard this testimony. We've got someone here that came very, very close to dying of COVID, but God has lifted them up and doing fantastic. We praise God for it. 
we serve an awesome God. Yes, give the Lord a hand. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You say, well, I just want a cause to fight for. <laughs> you know, God even does that. Because one of his names is he's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner. He's our standard bearer. And if you want a cause worth fighting for, let me recommend the cause of Christ. When David went before to fight Goliath, all those big guys, all those older men, all those trained soldiers, they were standing there shaking in their boots. And David said, I'll go fight that dude. I'll go fight him. And they said, you're just a young boy. You can't fight him. He, but he asked the question. He said, is there not a cause? I want to tell you, if you need a cause worth fighting, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, he's a, worth, a cause worth fighting for. He's our salvation. He is our deliverer. Because all of that made possible. Because we serve an omnipotent God that's all-powerful, capable of doing all things in harmony with His nature. If God ever was a creator, guess what? He's still a creator. If He ever was a healer, He's still a healer. If He ever was a provider, He's still providing. Because that's an evidence of His Ability and harmony with his nature. So what's your need today? What do you need provision today? Does any of you have needs today? It doesn't matter what it is. We serve an omnipotent God. And I'm not going to tell you that your need will be met instantly. Because sometimes God doesn't do things instantly. Sometimes it's a period of time. But the end results is still the same. God is able. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask you to worship. But as we're worshiping, I'm going to ask you to just turn your need over to God. How many of you have needs today? Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray that Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our Savior, our King of Kings, that Jehovah Rapha, our healer, will minister today. I don't believe we're going to do it as we worship him. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a water baptismal service. I'm looking forward to that. But we're not going to rush into that. We want to give you time to pray and to praise. So if you would, I'd like to just ask you to stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord together. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.